0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated with Pete Sampson of The Athletic. We are reviewing Notre Dame's 45-31 victory over Boston College this past weekend. It got a little dicey at times for Notre Dame's defense, but they had plenty of offense. Ian Book playing his best football by far, back-to-back games. Notre Dame's running game complements the passing game. And Brian Kelly talked about Notre Dame's defense being a little tired, a little bit banged up. I, I think Kyle Hamilton's a little banged up when you watch him, um, you know, his body language on the field. But Notre Dame did what they had to do, over 500 yards total offense, 8-0, move into the bye week with North Carolina coming up.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly the book rise in level of play is the most significant thing that's happening here. It's, you know, to the point that what they rush for 278 yards, and you're like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how well book is playing is that uh, you look at their offense and it's not, they could do everything now. You know, it's like they, they have an outside threat, you know, the whole red zone receiver lack of production thing just sort of went by the, went by the boards last weekend. So if they can have the, at least the appearance of Skoranek and McKinley doing something in the red zone, that, that really changes everything for you.
2: They are just so much better offensively than the non elite, elite, elite defenses. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no, none of these teams can really, it's a miracle that Louisville did that to them. It is a miracle that Louisville was able to hang with Notre Dame the way they did, because they are just, they just bludgeon regular, regular old defenses. Like Boston College was trying hard the whole time. They were, not wasn't a quitting team. You know, Pittsburgh has guys that can stop you. It's just with, when books dealing, it, it, it's too hard to stop them with that offensive line and I thought Chris Ty- or excuse me, not Chris Tyree, Kyron Williams needs a break as much as anybody. Uh, I noticed they were pulling him out of that in the first quarter a little bit before he just was like, he needs a break. Book, d- book doesn't, but book keep playing <laughs> right now, apparently. And book can keep going, but the yeah. defense needs a break. Kyron Williams needs a break. I think Tommy Trembles probably lost about three inches on his spine the way he's been blocking this year. He could probably <laughs> use some time off. I think I, I think they'd be vulnerable if they were playing Friday, right now, this Friday. But I the, the bye week, Pete? We'll never be able to say it again. I Feel like it comes at a good time. It actually came at a good time. They they <laughs> I, really
0: needed it. I'm sure North Carolina is saying the bye week comes at a good time for them as well because defensively that that was a, their game against Wake Forest. I mean, I like offense, but that's ridiculous. That's not football. That's that's yeah. that's seven on seven, you know, flag football going on there. But you know, Pete, you talked about the wide receivers, 14. This is how. I mean, it just I, I've written about the last couple of weeks that the receivers just keep doing more and more 14 of the 20 receptions Saturday were by wide receivers. Uh, you know, they've put up since the first two games when they had 11 catches for 110 yards or whatever it was, they've had 60 catches for almost a thousand yards in the last six games. we said, I think we said that last week, you got to add it up. It's like, is that right? But it is right. And McKinley's playing great and Skoranek, um, you know that was a, i thought that was a that was my pick to click on a, in another prediction Skaronic, because i didn't i didn't really know what mckinley was going to offer coming out of the uh, concussion protocol but he hit the ground running he did all his damage in the in the first half and you know um i think we have a question on Braden lindsay in the second second half but um you know you've got your starting receivers you throw oh, aiden yeah. davis almost- in there and you've got you, uh, you there's no doubt now you have a clear demarcation, uh, you know, from those three and everybody else. And, uh, they, they can do just about anything they want. We knew that the the screen game would pick up because you didn't have to keep Kyron Williams in on blitzes like you did Clemson and they were able to do pretty much whatever they wanted to do offensively.
1: Yeah. And it's like, the throws that stood out to me for book is like that 22 uh, yarder off play action where he rolls out of the pocket to Avery Davis in the first quarter. And then even the, that incompletion late to Lawrence keys. Perfect throw, man. man those are just, those are good looking balls. It's a, it's a guy quarterback who is in command of the offense um, in a way that <laughs> I don't know. The game just seems very slow to him all of a sudden. Yes, um, it's, it's really interesting to watch because it just, it, um, it's the kind of play that will not only get Notre Dame into the playoff, but let them do damage when they're there. I think the best way to look at it is he is
2: better than he was last November when we said coming into the year, well, he's going to pick up where he left off in November and then didn't. He is definitely better than that. I mean, I was looking back. He played well in those games. He made plays, but he didn't look like this against Duke when he was throwing two interceptions. He, He made a lot of great plays. You know, he didn't look like this the whole game against Stanford. Notre Dame didn't fumble three times. Ian Puck would have put up about 57, 58 points in this game. I mean, he was, they were marching up and down the field. Oh, zero yeah. points was they could have absolutely blown their doors off. And It's just... I, I got one thing about Braden Lindsey. He will help, though, if he's—if he can help. Because now he's in a great role if he has to touch the ball five times. I mean, it's, it's not quite Stepherson so. joining that team in 17. Remember, Stepherson came in one game after getting his feet wet against USC. <laughs> he was the best player on the field for a game there. He was just outstanding. I don't so. think he has that, but if he gets
1: one 40 yard play. I think it's more like yeah Chris Brown in 2012. Yeah, but he can do
2: it and every game almost every game, you know. There's like 18. Yeah.
0: yeah. I you um, know book book is is he is seeing everything. In and around the pocket, he's got a feel for everything now. He doesn't panic. I I tell you what, my favorite play was I think it was in the, I don't I don't know when it was. There, there were there were there were a lot of layers to that game, a lot of possessions. Um he he dropped back the pass. There was nothing there. There was nothing there. There was nothing there. He rolled to his right. And what would he normally do when he would rolled to his right? He'd either throw it away or run out of bounds. This time he found McKinley. He stayed yep. with it. He saw downfield. He's still not seeing every open receiver, but what quarterback does, because you know, the way it's portrayed on television, it's like, Oh, he was open. Well, yeah, but where was the quarterback in relation to the pass rush? Where were his eyes? He can only only see so much at one time. But to me, that was an example of, okay, he didn't give up on the play. He kept looking downfield. Javon McKinley didn't give up on the play. McKinley's done a really good job of roll in recent weeks, starting with Pittsburgh, rolling with Book and getting open. Uh, And now Book is seeing him downfield. So, yeah, you can do – it's a big, big playbook. And Tommy Reese, I think, is doing a tremendous job of tapping into that playbook. And when, when Book plays like this, they can do just about anything that they want. I
2: was writing about this this morning. The key to the receivers, and it all comes from the fact that they can run the ball so well, obviously. But their, their starting receivers average 17.2, 17.1, and 15.4 yards per catch. That's incredible. There's none of this 8.7 yards of really? catch a and they catch no, 90 passes.
0: It's... No, Book can't throw the ball downfield. They have no passing game well, beyond it, the – What I mean that's incredible. When you
2: hear those numbers 17, 17, and 15 for your three starting wide receivers. Yeah. And then Michael Mayer has over half of his yards after the catch. Avery Davis has over half of his yards after the catch. Obviously, he has one big one downfield, we all remember. The only guy that doesn't have a lot of yards after catch is Ben skaronic who has a 73 yard touchdown. (laughs) So it works out pretty well. Um, I mean McKinley has about one third of his yards after the catch, because I guess he did have some earlier in the year where he would catch it and not be going anywhere. But they're really the evolution's impressive to watch. And, um, I'm I'm surprised, (laughs) I'm surprised that all three of these guys uh, came on. It's impressive.
0: Remember after the Pittsburgh game, I think I said in a podcast that, you know, Avery Davis, okay, he's doing better things, but he still just has to, he's got to go for it. I don't, I don't feel like he's running it at full speed. Avery Davis is running at full speed now. He's got a lot of confidence in his ability. Think about where he was as a, his hands as a pass catcher early, early after the transition to receiver a couple years ago. Uh, But now when he catches the ball, now you're actually seeing the speed of Avery Davis early in the season when he would catch it, he's still kind of tiptoeing around. It's like, I thought he was really fast. Well, now he has confidence. Now he believes he can go for it. And, uh, and he is a significant weapon for them now as well. I mean, it's kind
1: of what the slot receiver is supposed to look like, but almost never has I under, under Brian Kelly. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, because Riddick was like a
2: self-made guy there, you know. Yeah. yeah, I was
1: just like throw it up and get it or something. Like he's a, just a real threat. I mean, that's why that that twenty-two yarder was so good because like he knew how to r- run the depth behind the linebackers, but not too deep, playing off Skoranek and Book is rolling out and hits him in stride. I just I love that stuff. And then I mean, there was a I think there was a <laughs> had in the fourth quarter where he just ran over a Boston College defender. Um, it was just yeah. It, He's really I get, impressive. I guess Pro was a good one. I forgot about there for that 14 T, but that's the only one,
2: you know, where he yeah, was. Yeah, it's
1: like his know, ball skills I never felt. No, no, like, not as good. He just made
2: impact. You know, he made a, yeah, he a, fast, a lot of points. Yeah, he was fast. Fine.
1: You like that too, right? I like that trait.
0: <laughs> and even Davis, uh, getting back to Davis, the 29 yard run, again, that was so decisive. You know, so he had three touches for 99 yards. I mean, three touches for
2: 99 yards. I mean, that is. And, yeah. and people say, this is the one quibble I have. Like, we got to get him the ball more like three more times because it works so well because they're using him perfectly. There's yeah. only so many balls. I, they, they try. I'm giving Tommy Reese credit. Try to get Lawrence keys involved late. Got, got him the ball twice to get him confidence. And then book drops a gorgeous pass over his shoulder. Right. He has to catch. We shouldn't
0: worry about Tom, how many catches Tommy tremble has. in no, no, he's it's an like, effective. As long as he is an effective player within the system, which he clearly is. Yeah. Throw him the ball. Yeah, they tried to get him the ball inside the five on the first drive and he, he drew a a holding yeah. call,
2: and he is open uh, sometimes, as we know. But right. they also catch passes right. when he's open, so it's okay. But
0: you know, There's... I mean, you can't you can't feed all the mouths at, at one time, and so right. you know that that part's great, and so that's coming along. Now, one thing that isn't great <laughs> is uh the situation along Notre Dame's offensive line now, which is um they need a I center. I almost
2: forgot. We were so positive. Yeah, going into they, this <laughs> they need they need
0: a center because Jarrett Patterson ended up suffering a significant left foot injury. It occurred in the first quarter. He played the rest of the game. When you look back and now you see, I didn't really notice it um, until you start looking for it. And you see him limping a little bit on his left foot. But this is a, uh, one of the, one of the C guys said, oh, I think it was Blackledge that said, you know, this is a time of year, it's, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth game of the year where I start to look and, see whose offensive line is intact. And I thought, yeah, well, North Ames is intact. Well, it's not now. Cause Jared Patterson is out and uh, they have a decision to make. There are several options from which to choose. I'm not sure that I know what that best option is. Yeah. I'm sure that they'll let it play out a little bit for a few days with the bye week. Uh, they can work on that this week through Thursday and then they have the weekend off. But um, not good because Jared Patterson. I mean, I thought, I thought the BC game was one of his better games. Yeah, He was fighting. And he was too. he was playing with a something broken in his foot. For crying out loud.
1: Yeah, it's like I checked with a uh, source that it sounded like it would, you know Liz Frank was what I heard had heard back, which obviously is not.
0: Well, they are putting there's a they are putting a plate in it. I mean, this yeah. is my understanding of the plan. Is I didn't get into this in the story because I didn't want to get into that yet, but. They will put a plate in it. They will remove it surgically. He'll be limited in the spring and then by the fall. If it's Liz Frank, though, that can be really tricky. What a guy. Go- I mean, he has really, really become a pretty dominant center.
2: Yeah. Jeron Der- Jones had that right. And he's a lot yeah. heavier, bigger frame that came back. <laughs> um, I feel like he came now. I got to remember because Jeron Jones also hurt his knee too. So it's it's tough to recall. I, I feel like he did make it back the next season and was playing. He did, Um, yeah. and then, and then he hurt his knee the next year, but I th- I believe I brought this up to mention that somebody asked Ron Jones in 2016 about his knee. He's like, my foot bothers me a lot more than my yep. knee and he was two years removed from the foot. Wow. So Tim, to your point, that is a, you know, I, I, he is a much bigger guy, obviously just yeah. someone's going to say, I Oh, he's oh, 20 more pounds. He's
1: a bigger guy. Than I didn't actually, this. yeah.
0: I didn't actually hear the, um, uh, Liz Frank, but you got that from a source. That's peak.
1: what, Yeah, that's what I was okay. told. Well,
0: that, uh, that's concerning, but, you know, they don't have them for the rest of the year. And so now your options are Zeke, Cor- Tim, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, we'll, we'll probably have, how many questions do we have on the center in the uh, next segment? Do we have them? <laughs> that's got to be a lot of questions I saw on uh, Twitter. Who's the center? Yeah, but run I through the options that. though. Let's run through the options.
1: I mean, my my hunch is that if they played this weekend, it would be Corral. Um, maybe they'll yeah. have more time to sort of think through it, but. That's that's just sort of my understanding today is that Corell would be the next man in.
0: Well, he is listed number two. We will. Our first question in segment two is on this, but uh, he is listed number two. You know, sometimes they can make a different decision, short term, long term. Yeah, I'm not exactly. And so, obviously, this is a long term situation now. Uh, So that may lead lean toward Corell, but again, we'll address that in segment two. What else, you guys want to? Anything else left over from the game? I. You know, the number of interceptions that Nordheim leaves on the field is just unbelievably oh ridiculous.
1: Yes. I, I know, enjoyed uh, Kyle Hamilton's entire immediate family making fun of him on Twitter for dropping that. Yes, name.
2: that was a good time, actually. Yeah. You see, his brother said, You see, his brother said your favorite son would have caught it.
1: Yeah. Or his mom uh, <laughs> tweeting the Game of Thrones shame, shame, shame bell ring. Oh, my goodness. Yes.
0: I, I really think, I don't know when I said this, Tim, but I really think Kyle Hamilton looked beat up in that game. His body language is awful, which tells me that I'm hurting, yeah, but I'm yeah. not going to come off the field.
1: I don't know. I mean, the way he broke on that pass was pretty ridiculous. Well, like, that's a, that's not slow getting there. I mean, I think he stopped Nick McLeod from dropping the interception by dropping it himself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when say, you have, yeah. It's like when you have an interception or a breakaway, suddenly you feel better. Yeah. You, oh, yeah I, I, was, wow! I feel a lot better.
2: How about Isaiah um, Pryor? How about Isaiah Pryor? He had a kick return touchdown coming his way too yeah. on the onside kick. Just needed <laughs> to, to a catch have catch a kick ball. return catch. Oh my goodness! I mean, I don't blame him for trying to catch and run. That, that's an that's an easy play for him. He's yeah. an yeah. athlete the can kick- catch
0: that and go. <laughs> the kicker was there, but you know, come on. I mean, yeah, you got to catch beat it. beat him.
2: Yeah, I, I gotta say that every person that covered Notre Dame football in training camp 2019 just groaned a little bit when Kyle Hamilton did not complete the day with the interception touchdown.
1: <laughs> yeah, what? I didn't, get a on. I didn't see it live, and I don't know if the replay showed it. Bo Bower's mystery personal foul. Like, did he actually do anything? I he, think it was he, actually on another lineman, though, wasn't it? They just messed the number uh, up.
0: No, I don't think so. He really re- no. I, no, Bower reached out, but he like he didn't he did not grab the face mask. He, his finger grazed yeah. the face mask. I, I could, and I, I thought the ref looked at him and threw the, threw the flag. So, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it was on somebody else, but he did, that did not warrant a face mask penalty, which that was the biggest gimme of the, of the two opportunities for Hamilton. I guess this, that one was easier because he was just stationary on his knees waiting for it to come to him. Jacobi, yeah.
1: I was just going to say the other thing on the defense, like if Hamilton is dropping picks and Owusu-Koromoa has zero tackles, like that's probably not going to happen again. Probably, <laughs> probably can't happen against North Carolina anyway. But if that's an off-brand day for Notre Dame's defense, like I'm fine with it.
0: That's a pretty nice PBU for uh, Owusu-Koromoa, though. Wasn't yeah, it? that was that was on a good Zay one. Flowers. I mean, talk about rounding out your toolbox. Oh, I can I can chase the fastest guy. On the field for Boston College, turn around and make a play on the ball. I mean, that's—he's ridiculous. Yes. All right, segment two. <laughs> segment two coming up, burning up the boards. We're in segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Week One Thirty Six. If you had to place money on Robert Hainsy, Zeke Correll, or Josh Lugg to start at center versus North Carolina, who would it be?
1: I put a small bet on Correll. Yeah, I.
2: Last year, I would have said, ah, they're going to have to do something. Or I would have said Colin Grunhardt in a pinch. But Zeke Carell progressed in the program from early enrollment till now. And I think it's Carell. I I assume Lug, I texted this to you, Tim, um, last night. I might have thought of Lug last year, too. You got to remember, forget Ruland was on the team already. But Lug was snapping all spring because they knew Carell wouldn't be ready yet last year. And he was snapping all of August. I I doubt he's snapped much, though, since then. I don't think they look at him if you have but Carell he and Grunhardt. He certainly so what's do. the. Yeah. Yeah, He
0: doesn't do like any of the early pregame when they come on the field. He's not one of the three centers working with the quarterbacks.
2: So unless you don't like what you see from Corral this week, I wouldn't think it'd be anybody but Corral. That's kind of how I look at it. And if Corral has a rough week, for some reason, they might think, uh, should we get our next best player out there in in Joshua Lug? But seems odd. I would, I think that the way they've developed Corral for a year and a half would be
0: his time. I I think it's, I don't know. I think it's a little complicated because he. Hain- okay, it's been suggested Hainsy to center Lug at right tackle. If you know, if if Hainsy can be assignment correct at center, and I think that that's the key phrase here: assignment correct. Which I'm not sure that Zeke Karell is the guy that's going to be the most assignment correct. I don't know right. that for sure, but he's he's a I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. So I don't, he hasn't had any, you know, live action at any position of note. So I don't know who can be the most assignment. Correct. Can, would Colin Grunhard be the most assignment. Correct. Probably, but ass-
2: he's just not as good as the other guys now, I right? Isn't that? But, the- you're
0: surra- but he's surrounded by two veterans on each yeah. side of him. If, if being assignment correct is the most important thing with those veterans around you, I'm not, I am not predicting that it's going to be him. I'm just saying, that i don't think it's really an easy decision i think hazy is kind of intriguing because then you then you definitely have your best personnel on the field if yeah. not at the the positions that you would prefer them to be at lug at center i, I don't i don't know I, I think i thought i thought lug was lunging all over the place the other night in the in the fourth quarter uh so that wasn't a real good look but we'll see i would think they would let it I mean, let it play out a little bit this week. You're going to practice through Thursday. Let it play out yeah. and, and see where it goes from there.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, you got all week, it's it's finals, but it's a bye week. And then the week after that, the semester's over. So if the if assignment correct is your issue, Zeke Corral really has unlimited time once finals are done to get assignment correct.
0: Yeah, but not not you know, that's on the practice field against you know, against prep team guys. I'm not sure.
2: I would have agreed with you. In fact, I did agree with you. We wrote about it two summers ago that Colin Grudhard was going to come off the bench instead of Zeke Corral last year. That was clear. Yes. I just feel like he's been passed is kind of my way of looking at it. And I think August was part of it. He missed some time. I I think he's been passed, Um, but you're right. I bet he does know. I I bet he knows it inside and out, which is why, he has been up with the varsity his entire career as a right. preferred walk-on, right? Yeah, and I
0: don't. I this. I don't want any of this to sound like a slight on Z Corral. I'm just making a judgment based upon a red-shirt freshman.
1: Yeah, just. I mean, it's like you're okay. You got Ian Book to tell you what to do, and then you got Banks and Kramer to tell you what to do. Like, I he's got. It's a. It's a position where I feel like you can get a ton of help, yes. um, just from six inches away.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I made an argument for. Grunhardt having those two veterans on each side, well, Corral's stronger and yeah. <laughs> a better athlete and right. better dimensions, and so I guess that that could work as well. Dan came. Podcast. Dan, there you go. <laughs> Dan Kane for all the all these foot injuries are concerning. Is it time to end the Under Armour relationship and switch to Nike or Jordan?
2: I did not think this was going to be a question on the podcast today. I, yeah, well, I, so, I,
0: I mean Garrett Patterson got rolled. That's yeah. that's why he has that's why he's out for the rest of the year. His shoe didn't give out on him. Um, as far I, I mean I get Kevin Austin, was that a shoe problem? I, I just uh, don't know how how you can come to the conclusion that the equipment is bad. What, was
2: Zion, what was Zion Williamson wearing when his shoe exploded?
0: I believe, I believe Nike.
2: Nike. All right, well, don't switch to Nike then. That's my evidence.
0: I I don't know about you guys, but I've worn very few Nikes in my life, and they were all bad. So I don't. I haven't bought Nikes for 20 years.
2: There is no chance for me to tell this story other than right now, so we have to do it. Does that sound good? Yeah. When I was a little kid going to Notre Dame basketball games, um, Jim Dolan, remember Jim Dolan, Tim? Yep. His shoe exploded, just like Zion Williamson's did. Well, Digger was a major endorser of Pony back then. Like that was, Pony was the whole thing. It was yep. on every program, everything. And the student body started chanting Pony at Digger. And it was um, one of the funniest things I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. I, <laughs> and, he, what,
0: did he, and he charged the stand. <laughs> yeah,
2: he was. Uh, anyway, that's the only reason I I, mean, I tell just
0: don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, a, one plus one doesn't necessarily always equal two. And I think in this case, with this question, that's. I mean, I don't know that we can conclude Sometimes it. I, I'm not fun. sure. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that Under Armour has the best equipment. I get that. I think a lot of people that – I don't wear that. But um, I don't know, man. I'm not sure that – I, I do know for a fact that the shoes that Jarrett Patterson were, was wearing the other night had nothing to do with the injury that he sustained.
2: Hooks underscore Orpic, Whose senior season has been most surprising? Bilal, Avery Davis, or Javon McKinley.
1: Go ahead, Pete. Good question. Uh, I would, I would go with Bilal, um because he had played a lot, and we saw that he had struggled. Whereas the other two hadn't played a lot, so we weren't really sure what they had. Um, but I, I, I would be open to arguments for the other two. I would just vote <laughs> yeah. for Belal. Yeah, I would too.
0: Well, I, I, w- I wouldn't say Bilal because he started the year before. And I understand that maybe he wasn't as effective as you expect him to be at Rover. Although, the lo- certainly, the level that he played at last year That's was. That's the thing. Supplies. He was
2: like the f- yeah. fourth or no, fifth best really player good. on the team. Yeah. Especially yeah. When he was he really good. in the
1: Louisville game. You're like,
2: whoa. And I do. Every time I look at Asmar Bilal and his improvement, I think he was terrible during the year. He was great. It's just yeah. a strange thing. <laughs> Although, Javon McKinley has at times looked terrible in a year where he's been great. Like, he had some bad yeah, games. Louis, and I, he was awful against Louisville.
0: Opening against Louisville in, in Scott Satterfield's first yeah, game true. with that yeah. offense was – I I think a lot of guys looked bad that night. They but did. They did. I wouldn't say Avery Davis because that was my pick to click, so I would say Javon McKinley because I don't think that – I don't think that through the first three years of his career that Nording felt like they had any kind of contribution coming from him.
2: I don't think they felt no, – I'm, I'm agree. Yeah, I don't think they felt that. I think he was, they were ready to go ahead and let him go after four years. And then he kind of Dell Alexander said, what did I talk about? He just said, he's, he's a different person walking. This is last year. He's walking around the building as a different person. Like he's engaged and wants to be playing football. And I don't think he did before.
0: And now he's a different person than he was last year.
2: Much different. Yeah. He's been probably the beginning of the year, even it's. It's almost like the best thing that ever happened to him was his, his arrest and his refocusing on everything for coming back and playing football at Notre Dame, not like for the, obviously his life, but I mean, he wasn't going to be here. He wasn't coming back.
0: No.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of people yeah. that he was just t- He was done with South Bend. Like yeah. tired of being in the great Midwest. And now he's
2: <laughs> averaging now pe- 17.2 yards right. a catch and has 440 yards after the yeah. catch or something and, along those lines. And,
1: and crazy. People, he can go back to and, California and play in the Rose bowl in the playoffs
0: and people want him to come back for a sixth year if possible, which I don't think that's happening. He's not going to do that, no. P PP1125, with the wide receiver play vastly improved over the past few weeks, what type of role do you think Braden Lindsay plays against North Carolina?
2: I, I think limited, limited against North Carolina. Um, maybe he gets in there and can run some routes, and they can get him a jet sweep if he's in. I'd rather give the jet sweep to Avery Davis right now, not knowing what Lindsey has. Um, in the tank but if he can play against North Carolina he can build up to the three hardest games of the year that start on December 19th (laughs) that's what people have to remember if Notre Dame is going to win it they still have to beat North Carolina Clemson Ohio State and Alabama so work your way into that Braden Lindsay and stay healthy
1: yeah I just I've gadget plays a couple deep routes but limited 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 stuff
0: yeah, it, it, getting back to to Davis, I mean, when he, especially this last game, he looks powerful. That's why I always thought yeah. he was going to emerge wow. this year ahead of Lawrence Keys. He looked, he looks like a strong, fast, powerful football player now. You never said that about Lindsay. He looked fast, he looked explosive, but running with power, Davis is doing that now. But yeah, you know, I mean, there's a player too there for Braden Lindsay.
2: Yes, yes.
0: You know, you bring him in, and
2: his. As soon as he makes one, that's the thing. Down like That can just impact everything. One downfield well, impacts the whole offense.
0: You bring him in for uh, McKinley, and just have – although McKinley's running <laughs> – McKinley's running deep routes and deep patterns now and being effective, but uh, it's a little different perspective yeah. for a DB when Lindsey comes off the line of scrimmage.
2: Denver Maximus, with Lindsay and Keys in and out with injuries on a weekly basis, as Javon McKinley finally proved himself to Priester to be a consistent player. Are we looking at beast mode?
0: Why me? Why, what? <laughs> were you, so you were convinced after uh, New Mexico, Bowling Green, and Navy last year? I mean, I, I, I and you know, I, I, I hesitate to say beast mode for a guy that hasn't scored a touchdown yet this year, but. <laughs> The beast mode thing,
2: it was a very good job by Brian Kelly when he saw Javon McKinley have his best game ever in a game that mattered against a pro corner. Like, dude, no one can stop you. I've been telling you this. And then Javon McKinley came out and had his worst game of the season. So it's a strange situation with Javon McKinley. He's not beast mode. That's Michael Floyd. But he's a heck of a part of the offense, right?
0: He's really good. He's really, he's become a really good college wide receiver. I, I mean, that's obvious. I just don't think that we, you could – it's kind of, It's like Ian Book. I mean, when, you, when you've when you gone out there for 29 times and you've been inconsistent.
2: I would be shocked I mean, how do you if Ian believe? Book starts having bad games, though,
0: now. Well, I no, I agree with that. Yeah, all not against offense.
1: North Carolina.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, and if he does, it's going to be a very bad podcast the yeah. next day because they need some points probably in that game.
0: The I 90th. By the way, the next three, the remaining three defenses against the pass, Although Syracuse, I've said several times, is doing some good. The Syracuse led the nation in turnovers created going into last weekend.
2: Um, a lot of guys could have a bad game against Syracuse, and they could win 45 to 10. But I can yeah, see no, guys no, looking no, bad in that game too.
0: No it's doubt. Just it's
2: Nobody wants to play it at that point. That's the,
0: yeah, no doubt. Yeah. But, nor, but uh, those are three defenses that are yielding a lot of yards through the air. Uh, we go to not J. Tafel. Let me ask this again. How concerned are you with the secondary moving forward? Do we not answer that before? Are we Not, I mean, (laughs) not that concerned.
1: Um, You know, I don't, Bracey has not had close to the year that I thought he was going to have. I thought he would be a good second corner behind McLeod, but the coaches seem to see him as a little bit more of a liability. Talk about a
0: guy that needs a fifth year because he burned that year his freshman year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's going to, sure. he's going to need, he's going to need 2000. He's going to need 21 and 22. You know, I guess every,
1: every defense has a a weak spot. Right. But I, I think I, my concerns are more still at buck linebacker and does how good is Notre Dame's pass rush. Can it deliver in a huge spot? than the second, the secondary, I guess is it's a roundabout way of saying it's not, to me, it's not a huge concern. I'm concerned about them because of the four teams I just
2: mentioned, they're going to play if people want to keep winning, if they want to keep winning. It gets harder when you play Alabama's wide receivers. I'd be concerned about Notre Dame's secondary against Alabama's wide receivers. Yeah,
0: and and you you, you certainly have to be concerned about Notre Dame's secondary against North Carolina's receivers because they've they've got a bunch. You know, I mean, I feel like this – did they give up a lot of yards against Florida State with Uyangalai on the field at quarterback for them? Uh, Yeah, but – I mean, that's still an offense averaging 47 points a game. I was, I've was i been doing so well on his name lately, too.
2: Well, you got yourself because you called him a Florida State quarterback, too. Yeah. That, that was the issue. You. See, I told you. I, you told us you were going to do it I have
0: been fighting for some reason. I Maybe because it's the whole number one thing and playing him in 93. Yeah. Because I have been fighting for weeks. I want to say Florida State instead of Clemson. Because I think I'm thinking of old Florida State, not lousy Florida State. Right. today, yeah. But anyway, Uyanga is the quarterback at Clemson and he's a good one and he's a good one. And so, I mean, I, you know, Clemson's averaging 47 points per game. So they're going to throw the football against everybody. And again, if you've watched Boston college play, they've thrown the ball pretty well. Dracovic doesn't have a high completion percentage, but they've thrown the football around. So sometimes we do have to take into consideration the opposition and what they're capable of doing and not capable of doing.
2: We do, and I want to throw this out there because I've been meaning to do it for a couple weeks, and I could finally say it. They just played the second-best offense and the second-best quarterback they've played in this crap ACC schedule, and they're all getting better from here on out. Wake Forest's quarterback is better. North Carolina's quarterback is better. Clemson's new and old quarterback is better. Alabama's quarterback is better, and Ohio State's quarterback is better, and they have to play those teams. But if they don't play those teams, they get to play Kyle Trask in Florida. Right. So I'm concerned about the secondary. Those yep. teams are like
1: that. Notre Dame is going to give up a bunch of passing yards yeah. from here on out. Yeah. Like, And they, you know what? They would be giving up a bunch of passing yards from here on out if it was the 2012 defense or the 2018 defense or the 93 defense. Yeah, I like, agree with that. The offenses are just really good.
0: And, and, and so, I mean, I think it's a combination of concerns. No, it's not a great Notre Dame secondary. And all the reasons that you guys just mentioned, it's it's going to be difficult. Nobody, nobody ever said this is going to be easy.
2: Well, I'm going to quit naming to, Ohio State not, and Alabama too. They just got to play other teams. that are going to be good. How's that? There's no. What if they
0: What if they draw Cincinnati in the first Cincinnati time? and
2: Florida? I think I like. I think they draw Cincinnati. I like. I like the secondary. NIU. <laughs> if they draw IU instead of Ohio State, I like the secondary too. That would be great. That'd be like the dream of getting back Kansas State in 2012, right? For Notre Dame
0: fans. Oh man! All right, here's one for Dame. you. the yeah. game's going to
1: get played. Yes, it's going to be in
0: the playoffs. <laughs> All right, here's one for you, O'Malley. LPN71, in previous podcasts, O'Malley said that if Kyron Williams fumbles again, norde might have to start considering a fumbling issue. Is there an issue, or does his overall performance negate that?
2: Well, his overall performance negates it for sure, and they keep putting him back in right after he fumbles. I noticed that again this time but I have to tell you when he caught that pass and made the move and I saw the guy come behind him, my first thought was Kyron Williams is about to fumble. And I wouldn't think, I would not think that if he wasn't a fumbler, he's a little bit of a fumbler right now. He's awesome. Ricky waters was a fumbler his whole career. He's a fumbler. Ricky waters fumbled in the NFL. He should be in the hall of fame. But Kyron Williams is a fumbler right now.
0: There should be a very easy lesson for Kyron Williams on that fumble. When you, when you stop, and dodge a player and hesitate, yeah. oh, and yeah. then start running again. do You think the guys behind you are going to start catching up? I mean, and he did not protect the football at all. Yeah. I, you know, a fumbler to me is somebody. Well, that he has more fumbles. Is, <laughs> I no, fumbler, no, no. Yeah. Of course, he is. <laughs> yeah. You either don't protect the football, or I mean, some guys can hold it high and tight and still be a fumbler. That's a true fumbler. This is correctable. I mean, what that, the, the fumbles Saturday absolutely was correctable. Yeah. But it's kind of like Sebo Flemister. They're both kind of prone to fumbles and injuries because they won't go down, and they keep fighting for every inch. And in this day and age, everybody's punching and scratching and clawing at the football. Flemister won't go down, so he's he's in a situation where he can get hurt like he did the other night. Uh, hopefully that's not too serious. Apparently it isn't. But I you know, I don't know. I mean, I the fumble the other night with Williams, man, you got you gotta be smarter than that and recognize that the posse's coming behind you because of the move that you just made.
1: Yeah. I am totally with you, O'Malley, watching it for the press box as soon as he made the first guy. Oh, miss, no doubt. I'm like, this is a fumble waiting to happen. No doubt. Within a second later. But yeah, it's like the overall body of work is. Way too good, <laughs> it's I mean, outstanding. It's, it's like absolutely outstanding. We can't play Barry Sanders because he's not good at <laughs> blitz
0: pickup. Like, what? Like, what are you talking
1: about? <laughs> just Kyron yeah. Williams is way too good in everything else to take him off the field.
0: This Notre Dame's at seven lost fumbles, which is the most since uh 2017. Well, they did, 2017. Just didn't, yeah, it, they, they only had, they they had the nine lost fumbles in the last two years combined,
2: and the running backs never fumbled. That's the thing. It was the run. It was the quarterbacks. The running backs didn't fumble. Didn't lose a fumble from fifteen to Jafar Armstrong, right? Yeah, Fenway Park it, to Jafar Armstrong against Virginia Tech. That's right. That's crazy.
0: I find it interesting that Lance Taylor, am, amongst Irish sister readers, is getting a ton of credit for the positives about the running backs, but not. I haven't seen anybody blame Lance Taylor for the the fumbles. Which, you know, I mean, there I'm not saying. It's, pardon me.
2: There's eight reasons.
0: <laughs> Eight reasons because uh, there ain't no, <coughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and the you fumble, all you got to do is blow a game with the fumble,
0: and the fumbles and, haven't and, cost and, them a game right. yet. I gotcha.
2: ND Squid thirty three did Notre Dame exercise the red zone demons with the performance
1: against BC, or is this still a concern moving forward? Still a concern. I mean, it happened one time. Um, I was I was totaling up like their previous four or five games in terms of red zone touchdown percentage after they missed. I included the first miss against Boston College. And I think that percentage would have ranked 124th last year nationally of 130 teams. So they're still pretty far down there, even though they really turned it on. But hopefully they can keep that in a good way. Um, but that's that would this would be the equivalent of Javon McKinley having one good game against Florida State. And you're like, all right, let's see a few more mm-hmm. you know, with Javon McKinley. Now we've seen a few more. But I'd like to see that with the red zone offense, too.
0: I don't think you ever, quote, exercise your demons in the red zone. I think it's a clean slate every week, and it's a new challenge because the field is compressed. Uh, I think, once again, you have to take into consideration what your opposing defense does, generally speaking. Coming up right now, North Carolina is 51st in red zone touchdown percentage defensively. Syracuse, they're 25th. I'm telling you.
2: You are taking the points of that Syracuse game, aren't you, Simpree? Syracuse
0: <laughs> sneaky good on defense, nor do they only score 52 against them. Yeah. <laughs> and then Wake Forest is <laughs> and then Wake Forest is 47. So kind of middle of the pack, and Syracuse a little bit higher. But, I mean, red zone is you've got to execute. You've got to call the right plays. Uh, you've got to, you know, in the case of Skaronic, you got to make a one-on-one jump ball play, which mm. is – generally speaking i guess a 50-50 proposition
2: and i still think you got to avoid it with some touchdowns outside of it best way to not have to be perfect is score from outside the red zone the best teams do you, otherwise you can't always be perfect it's everything compresses as you said tim it's just know, harder but, but
0: you don't it's just really, harder. you don't have like you can't pick and choose that per se that no but you got to okay, finish we them sco- off, like we want to score from 45 now instead of from 6
2: no but like if the clemson game when ian book fumbles if you could score on Kyden, that was inside the red zone, but it was a 15-yard run down to the three-yard line. I remember thinking, ah, you got to get in there, man, because you're just chancy. Every chance you have no, to take true. down there is harder. And look, to their credit, Avery Davis got knocked out of bounds at whatever the two- or three-yard line, and they went right in and scored. So that's that—that's a step in the right direction.
0: Uh, Wash Andy, with receivers and Ian Book making huge strides over the last few weeks, is the strength of this team now the offense – the defense, tired or not, seems to be leaking a little oil, specifically in the secondary. Is there a reason for concern on that side of the ball with North Carolina coming up, or will Clark Lee get it figured out over the bye week?
1: I mean, you're just not going to beat everyone 50-10. to 10. Uh, It was nice to see the offense sort of carry the day, really, for the last couple games, I think, in terms of...
0: That was my angle of my column, is that, hey, sometimes you know, the defense needs a little bit of a break and the offense yeah. came through for him big time.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that would be the, my more pertinent assessment of that, that like, hey, what are my concerns about the defense? Because Clemson is going to, look, North Carolina, Wake, Clemson. If you said they all scored 30-plus on Notre Dame, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Nor would I take that as like, well, Clark's defense is falling apart. Just good offense.
2: Yeah, I think they're, I do think they're tired, and I think the bye week will help that out a lot. Um, to rest up. But good offense these days. as Even Nick Saban said it. It's hard to stop good offense. Your, your, yeah. your defense. You need to. You got to get a little lucky. Like uh if Notre Dame could have had some of BC's luck against Clemson and might not have given up 40 points in that game. You know, it's just and then when Younger Gale like, throws ridiculous passes, like you can't defend some of those things. There's something <laughs> third you best can't
1: quarterback defend. in college football,
2: yeah, and they're going to be playing some of the other ones. It's hard to. uh like Notre Dame's offense needs to continue its pace ascending, not just where it is now, to win out.
0: Yeah, I, I think still think playing well. I don't think two games against Clemson and Boston College reduces the defense to, you know, uh, yeah. s- second, second citizenship yeah. within the team. I mean, um, you know, but, hey, pass rush, you know, they don't have a whole bunch of that in their four-man rush. There are some concerns uh, playing the ball in the secondary. Buck is a little inconsistent. So I don't care how good of a defensive coordinator you are, you don't have everything figured out every year. And there is a couple holes based upon some of the personnel that they lost from okay. last year. It's it's just not easy to replace. I don't care how many games you play this year. I
1: would say also it's worth remembering the first seven quarterbacks they played were pretty bad. Well, that's I mean, my
2: point about that. I'm well, concerned a little. I'm not sure what we're looking at here. Yeah. COVID you know,
1: is the second best quarterback. This was always one of the things like when Kelly has, Kelly's been asked about this a couple of times. Like, do you think this is the best defense you've had? I'm like, guys, like, I feel like you're missing the plot. If you're asking that question, because you, you got to look at who they're playing. And this def- this schedule was so backloaded with good offense that now we're going to see how good Notre Dame's defense is. I think that it's quite good. It's just not
0: all time. Good. I think you guys are underestimating Joey Yellen's impact on the <laughs> Pittsburgh game.
1: <laughs> wait, hold up. I'm, yeah. wait, let me leave and go into the kitchen and get the get my notes and then walk back. Walk back. <laughs>
0: but, but wait a minute.
1: I, I put every question, I cut it out and put it on a card in the kitchen. I got to go get it. Back.
0: It's it's not Joey Yellen's fault because he was so damn worn out from running the middle of the field to the sideline to get the play that he, he didn't have any. He had no stamina left at that point. Not
2: good. They have played some <laughs> junk quarterback, huh? No, no doubt.
0: <laughs> it's just I don't, rough to look I at. mean, Malik Cunningham's a – He's a fine player. He's a pretty dangerous football player.
1: 25-mile-an-hour wins. Yeah, that was a weird – that whole game was weird.
2: Yeah, it's impossible that game happened, really, the way Ian Book looks right now. <laughs> but It's yeah. fine. they prevailed. prevailed. Uh, M Venturini, oh. I love watching all the running backs pounding out extra yards and looking to deliver hits. Are we overlooking the impact that Lance oh, Taylor, Taylor has made? There you go. The attitude of the running backs not only provides extra yards, but it sets the tone and confidence that lifts the entire offense. Sure, the OL is great, but the aggressiveness of the running backs matters.
1: I, just, I want to enter something in the record here. Um, Notre Dame's running backs, I don't think, are running any more aggressive than they were when Audrey Denson was here, or when Tony Alford was here, or even probably when Tim Hinton was here. They are running behind a great offensive line, and they're good running backs. Like Josh Adams dragged his like broken body all over the field like that dude was a freaking warrior uh theoretic same thing in 2012 Jonas Gray in 2011 I mean Sierra Wood was very good like I I don't know it, I think the running backs are, are good Lance Taylor is doing a very good job um but I I would not go as far to say like this is a night and day difference from where they yeah, were I mean Autry Denson
0: Lance Taylor didn't rewire Kyron Williams. That's who Kyron Williams is. He's a he's a warrior. He's a battler. Sebo Flemister. That's who Sebo Flemister is. We don't, you know, Tyrese in his first year. I thought he played really well, ran really yes. well on Saturday.
2: I did too. But, I, I really liked how he responded when he had to be kind of thrown in there. Well, Sebo you know, under, like yeah. yeah,
0: the fourth and one jet sweep. He was he was really aggressive mm-hmm. on that. There was one run where I thought once he like got past the first wave there was a burst there for the next five or seven yards that we haven't always seen all year. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Lance Taylor. He's a a, good job. He's an excellent coach. And um, you know, I don't know, maybe Lance Taylor gets more credit for uh, Kyron Williams technique on pass blocking. I I don't know exactly, but you know, (laughs) something, I mean something and then Lance Taylor is a, although it doesn't always show up in, uh, running back recruiting he's a good recruiter so I mean I'm glad Lance Taylor's here he's doing a good job he's got he does have some stuff to work with now um, and those guys are are playing hard for him there's no doubt
2: to go back to the question and give some credence to what M. Venturini is saying however looking this up Kyron Williams is doing a great job after contact obviously he has 440 yards after contact but he also has 330 yards before contact which is a really nice thing when you're running back when you just get the ball and you go running and you have to break a tackle
0: I wonder what a good percentage would be
2: for that. I don't know but I bet you this is Sebo Flemister has 288 rushing yards and 211 are after contact so maybe Sebo Flemister is running harder than anybody in the history of the world that's insane <laughs> what that's incredible that's, that's... 11 of 288 are after contact but I think Kyren's is I mean, you see, like those some of those first quarter runs, even Kyron Williams. You see that seam; he hits it, which is great. Which I mean, that's a good running back too. But they are making some room for Kyron Williams. That's why he's having Kyron. Kyron Kyron Williams. I would like to
1: track runs without contact.
2: Oh, I have touchdowns. You know, they've scored like 15 touchdowns without being touched. Yeah, that's it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's like you're playing against Van Gorder every week.
0: Yeah, Yeah. we need more bye weeks so we can dig deeper into these types of stats. I just saw the SIBO or through the the (laughs) play-by-play. Yes. Uh, Packy P I know statues are reserved for title winning coaches, but I wonder if you think Brian Kelly deserves a statue without a national title for possibly having three undefeated regular seasons and leaving with more wins than anyone else. I would not have thought two weeks ago, right this very minute that we would have a question about a statue for Brian Kelly, but he's now 137. He's won 41 games out of the last 47. And uh, he's he's trending in that direction, but he needs a national title for, for what we're what well, we're talking about here. I, right? actually,
1: I asked him about this in a summer sit down. I, I brought up statues, and I I've phrased it as like, and you know what it takes to have a statue here, and he's like, yeah, um, that so that standard has not changed. Like his could his name be on uh, the Goog 2.0 expansion? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that would be great. But statues are for national championships. I agree. I
2: think because of Notre Dame too, in Notre Dame, Alabama, it's something really like that. I I gotta say, if he goes undefeated this regular season, or let's say, I mean, if he goes undefeated and beats Clemson again, they go to the playoffs and lose, but acquit themselves well. What that'd be the best coaching job of his career. And I want you to find the previous Notre Dame coach that had a better coaching job in one year, considering everything that's going on right now. You beat Clemson twice. Under this climate, everything you're doing, and go play in the playoffs, it's harder to win the playoffs. Look, Notre Dame 1988 probably would have won the playoffs anyway, but the second game would have been against Miami in a rematch. Not that you, fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they maybe they would have good. won it in 93 because they would have gotten in, but like it, it's hard. It's harder now to win it. I totally agree that it's Notre Dame, there's five guys with statues. It's kind of hard not to make the statue be the reason you get this, the, the national championship. The statue does it right, but I would be. I don't know if you need to quibble about it if he beats Clemson again and goes to the playoffs, and they play well and lose a playoff game.
0: The only thing more ironic than this question for me is a tweet in which Ian Book and Heisman Trophy were mentioned in the same breath. He brought it up after in the game though, after, after the last two games, yeah.
2: yes. It is incredible.
0: Pretty hard to win a Heisman when you have 11 touchdown passes through eight games.
2: It is, and also when people can watch Kyle Trask play and throw touchdowns all over the place. and. Although his will come down to Alabama, I guess, right? They're not doing the Heisman voting until after the conference championship games this year. I saw January 5th. Yeah. Um, and I saw it was Stuart Mandel. I think that made a good point, Pete. He's like, uh, why don't you just wait another week until after yeah, the championship like games? One so of college football's <laughs> great
1: traditions, rushing the Heisman vote for no reason. <laughs> There's
2: no reason if you moved it already, what's the point? I
1: don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. Hey Beasley, the
2: Flemister injury showed how low the depth is at running back. With the extra week, would Jafar Armstrong or any position
1: change be possible? Jafar Armstrong, we could not wait to move him to receiver. He moves. Got, got to move him back to running back. So this
2: week, um, you don't want to get Kyron Williams hit too much, and you don't want to get Seepo hit too much. So it's a lot of um, Tyree and the walk-ons. Ekanyaki.
1: Listen-
0: yeah, yeah with, w- with regard to this week. Yeah. yeah. Uh Well then they're then they're healthy I think, though, right? You have your Abdul Rahman.
1: What I mean, can he get some carries? In, in fairness, I did forget time for Osita Akuanu that August sensation to get
0: some work. That inspired decision by Brian Kelly yeah,
1: for like 20 minutes. <laughs> like, well, wait, he actually didn't move. <laughs> Um, I'm really glad you brought up
2: Abdur-Rahman. because now we can I, find out why he's not playing as North Carolina. In a question. I mean,
0: you can't so, just yeah. can, you just can't take Jafar Armstrong and move him back and forth from position to position. I mean, Have why it, not? You're trying I mean, to win a national championship. Well, I mean, I, I guess, and I, I, it's not like, it's not like the transition back to running back would be a, right. a big learn, you know? I mean, yeah. he could do that. So I, you know, I guess you probably, Hey Jafar, we want you back at running back this week. He's a good teammate. I'm sure he's frustrated, though, that he has no role within this team. Uh, And if you're looking for one and there's a little bit of an opening, maybe a running back now, maybe you do it. But, yeah, it's 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 not a big transition back. Maybe you give him snaps on at both positions.
2: Statman 72. Do you have any idea how Notre Dame was able to negotiate a bye week to coincide with finals? It seems the ACC did a favor there.
0: The ACC may have helped Notre Dame out in a few respects with the scheduling, and but I don't think this was premeditated. There are other ACC teams off this weekend as well. It's It was one of the two or three days that most of the, the bye weeks came.
1: I think it, don't you think it has more to do with the fact that they play on a Friday That's after Thanksgiving? My guess.
2: Yeah, that was my guess, is that they set them up to play a prime, like a major ACC focused so, yeah. game on a Friday
1: instead of doing road, like they could have had a road game on a Saturday, get back at midnight and then have to play on a Friday. That would have been not, not cool. So I think it has more to do with the Friday, North Carolina scheduling date than it does.
0: Well, but like, BC, exams. yeah, yeah, that's that the final exam thing. That's just coincidence. Cause yeah, they didn't so, know. Yeah. They didn't, did they know? They, at did, that know point, that. they, they, they
2: did know that. But they, I think they, they announced it early. Yeah.
0: I think it's just coincidence. And BC's, off this week, right? I mean, this is, there are other ACC teams off this week.
2: They had played one more game than Notre Dame. So they <laughs> okay. probably so have to, to be. be. Yeah.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. There's, it looks like there's five, ten. Yeah. not. I mean, so there's some, some out of conference ACC games this week. Um, you know, Clemson is back on, but they were off last week. I, it's, you know, most teams have a buy either last week. or this week.
0: Yeah. Everybody, right? everybody has a, had a buy in November. At some point, G. R. Smith, in regards to the buy and the team being overworked prior to the Michigan game last year, what do you expect Brian Kelly to do differently this go round to avoid tire legs and sluggish play against North Carolina? Let me add that Statman seventy two, when he saw this question, said that the South Bend Tribune said that Brian Kelly said he gave him too much time off before Michigan. Now. Maybe that was on-field stuff. I don't think that that was strength and conditioning.
1: Well, I mean, it's probably good to review what Brian Kelly said they were going to do this week. They were going to lift Monday, practice Tuesday, Wednesday, and then lift Thursday, and then be off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which I I don't think is really any different than what they did with the Michigan bye week last year. I could be mistaken about that.
2: I was surprised they are having four sessions this week, but... I guess I bet you that Thursday one. Or I bet you the two practice ones aren't uh, aren't a lot of heavy contact though. It's sta- it's probably a staying sharp practice. You know, instead of the one of the perfect scrimmage. practice Tuesday. Yeah, like a little backup scrimmage. Do they? I, I mean, they
0: probably don't even put pads on this week. Do they? Right.
2: I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. Um, but they, we have all different reports about Michigan. So
0: it's yeah, really I, you know that we need to just let that die. Like like Notre Dame did the night in uh, Michigan Stadium.
1: <laughs> How? By, by the way, if you had said we're leaving soaked, miserable Michigan Stadium, Michigan is going to be on uh, November fifteenth of the next year. Michigan is going to be under five hundred, and Notre Dame will have won fourteen games in a row. Notre Dame will have
2: not lost leaving that or leaving that game,
1: and uh, knowing the schedule, that's
2: That's amazing. ND band ninety four. Two of the next three offenses we face are pretty high scoring. Do you see us having to win shootouts against Carolina Wake Forest or will the bye week help the defense recharge and come up with ways to limit scoring? And then there's a related question is that, what do you guys think about the next two? I mean, I I think North Carolina is going to be the second highest scoring game of the season. I thought that in the preseason and that is no reason to change my mind. (laughs) Clemson and North Carolina with the highest scoring games this year.
0: I may, I, I, I agree. I don't know that shootout is necessarily the word that that I would use because I think, I mean, nobody runs up and down the field on Notre Ames defense.
2: Right. I think shootout is not a thing that you have to worry about probably. Um, but teams score 30 points nowadays regularly. So, like, if they just score their average, they're going to score in the 30s, North Carolina Notre Dame. That's, without blanking. They score on their average, they'll be in the 40s. Yeah. So shoot, a 30s is not shootout then. I think the game is in the 30s. And the game's in the 30s. The yeah. North Carolina I, yeah.
0: I mean, just, to, just a a couple of games that North Carolina's played this year. Um, they lost 31-28 to 28 to Florida State in game four. Um, they, they had the 40, a
1: 41 to Virginia. To Virginia. Yeah.
0: They had the 26-22 game with North Carolina in game two, or I'm sorry, with BC in game two. And the yeah, that would have been was, a
2: higher scoring game later on, Tim. You're right when you say game two. That, sure. That's right.
0: That's why I'm saying. That's why I'm Both. saying it because yeah. I think, I think it's it's a little bit different now than it was in September when you're coming off of the crazy summer and preparation, and then the opener against Syracuse was thirty-one-six. Yeah, I think in the thirties. I'm interested to see what the the over underline is on uh, that game. But I'm doing, I'm doing terrible on my over and unders.
2: You said you had a. Uh... Only so long was it going to go for you. <laughs> it started to go the wrong way. Uh, huh?
0: I, I, I'm, I'm six and two kind of against up, the right? spread. Yeah, yeah, six and two against the spread. But that was... I would just say, like,
1: I mean, North Carolina is a tricky game. It's a super interesting game. Also, North Carolina was down 45-24 to Wake Forest in the third quarter. So, yeah, they can they can be got... Defensively, like oh, yeah. for the field, I would expect them to play a little more
2: inspired defense against Notre Dame. Whether or not that matters after you're getting hit in the face by the offensive line and Kyron Williams and Sebo the entire and the tight ends for quarters and quarters and quarters, those guys might not like it. Yeah. But yeah, you know, those first couple drives, you're going to see some athletes running around. It's up to Notre Dame to finish it off with touchdowns. I mean,
1: like here's who's North Carolina has played. Syracuse, Boston College, Virginia Tech, Florida State, NC State, Virginia, Duke, Wake Forest. Like <laughs> they they haven't played anyone. Your most. point. The ACC stinks, and no going to win the championship a, and leave. Is
0: it. Is this <laughs> a, the is this the ACC basketball season last year when I was always saying it stunk? They, yeah. He's not in a really good place right now. He just really aren't. I I do it's
1: that, yeah. North Carolina will lose to Notre Dame and then lose to Miami. And then they will be six of four and people will be like, huh, North Carolina, they're kind of disappointing.
0: Yeah. Not much of an accomplishment for Notre yeah. Dame going there and, and winning. I will say, you know, you've talked about North Carolina comeback uh, also against Virginia. They lost 44, 41, but they were down 41, 20 and scored three more touchdowns, but then, and it still ended up losing.
2: I'm stepping on defendee here with a final thought though, when it says, do you think North Carolina Notre Dame is a race to 40 or can Clark's lead make it a race to 30? I think he can make it a race to 30 because if Notre Dame gets ahead 35 to 20 or 35 to 17 on North Carolina, and they think they're going to come back, they're going to get a heavy, heavy dose of tight ends smashing helmets off of people while Notre Dame runs the ball that those other teams couldn't do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, just a early look at Notre Dame in North Carolina. I mean, look at the two defenses. Come on, yeah. You can't. You you've got to win that football game. The no, defense, there's, no com, yeah. there's no comparison in the two defenses. So, uh, I, yeah, it's, I could see
1: Notre Dame scoring in the 40s and North Carolina scoring in the high 20s. Yeah. Um, yeah. You now it's like if you said that if Notre Dame won, won – that wouldn't surprise me at all. That, that feels kind of likely to
0: me. I hear you. Okay, well, Notre Dame's on bye week uh, this weekend, but we will stay with our normal schedule. We'll be back for Irish Illustrated Insider on Thursday. We appreciate you joining us today.
2: Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.